Today on the show, we talk about trauma, government funding, and why it's a bad idea to keep people in cages. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Connor. And today is the first episode of a series that I think we both have wanted to talk about for a bit. That's true, yeah. I think you were hoping to do some infamous episodes for a while, but no one else was around who'd played them until I came along. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're my uh, you're my knight in shining armor, man. We finally get to talk about this game. <laughs> I saved the day. I know, and I'm I'm stoked. I these are some of my favorite games I've ever played, and I'm glad that Sucker Punch is making Ghost of Tsushima right now because I'm looking forward to that too. But I think we both really want some more infamous content as well. We want another infamous game pretty bad. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like I'm hoping that with PlayStation Five, like we get another one of these titles because I feel like there's still a very uh, there's a lot of story that they have to cover. Definitely. So on today's episode, we want to jump ahead to uh, Infamous Second Son, and we're not going to talk about Delson or you know anything else. I think our focus should be on. Brooke Augustine, the big bad yeah. of the DUP. The woman in charge, the uh, the enforcer. The head dupe. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the big dupe at the top of the ladder. That's right. She is she is the woman who makes uh, Delson Rose escapades in Seattle uh, rather unpleasant. That's her job. Yes. yes, and she sticks rocks in the legs of everybody in his tribe. <laughs> <laughs> she she doesn't screw around at all. She's pretty ruthless. Uh just she knows how to motivate people violently. Uh she's she's a scary lady, not gonna lie. No two ways about it, she's scary. Yeah, she's super intimidating. I mean when even when you first see her, she's like in an all black suit and she yeah. just uh, like with her Bluetooth on and she just like does what needs to be done. But as yeah. the game unfolds, you start to learn a little bit more about like what what the DUP is really about how it came to be and like why it was, it's so important to her and her relationship with other conduits because right. um, you find out that she herself is a conduit. And for people who haven't played the um, infamous series, a conduit is basically a person that has special abilities that allow them to control some sort of like elemental force or like a specific thing, like lightning or, rocks like a material yeah yeah some sort of substance or in delson's case it's just other conduits powers like right you know ultimate power but um so we have this lady who's running an organization that is charged with protecting the world from conduits or how they or how they are referred to to the public as bioterrorists so they're an organization that deals with bioterrorists and they are run by a conduit or could what would be considered a bioterrorist kind of ironic, but that's, uh, that's their branding. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's that <laughs> clever twist of phrase. Oh, it's not a person with abilities. It's a bioterrorist. It's a, 
person who can't control the fact that they're able to do what they do, but they're still seen as a threat. So the world of infamous is, uh, you know, populated by a, you know, a number of these special individuals who in the second son, uh, you know, setting in that series of events, they are definitely persecuted. They're kind of like second class citizens and Brooke Augustine. She's the Colonel in charge of the department of United protection. Is that what it is? <laughs> Uh, unified yeah. protection or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, unified protection. Yeah, and th- their job is keeping the bioterrorists in line. But like you mentioned, Lawrence, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that sort of informs uh, Augustine's decisions, uh, her motivations, and the DUP in general. Like what you know, kind of drives that whole department. It has some real life parallels to things such as you know, like the police state, <laughs> things that are, that are pretty heavy topics in our own real lives that are reflected in the in infamous second son. Yeah. It's like almost like the DUP is kind of like super powered ice. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. Um, and, um, there it's, I don't know. It's, it's just a really weird organization. It's, full of um you have like brooke augustine who's a primary conduit so she's just like a natural conduit who has abilities and then you have like i guess what we would consider secondary conduits her followers are people that may have had the gene that allows you to become a conduit but they were influenced by her powers so right she was basically she basically gifted small portions of her power to certain officers and soldiers in the dup who had the potential to wield them so they kind of like got samples of her power but they don't have the power themselves i guess you could say right they're the tiny handguns of her <laughs> her powers exactly and so um i think it's good to to explain like brooke augustine's history and and how we got to the dup being a thing in the first place mm-hmm. because um a bit of this comes from the original infamous game right so there is an event in the original infamous game where there was a superpower conduit that was known as the beast. Um, basically it was a giant, like couple stories tall conduit that had the ability to give other people uh, to unlock the abilities of, uh, like dormant conduits, which doesn't seem threatening, but it did that by using like the bioelectric energy of other people. So it basically absorbed people um, cause a huge explosion, and then if you survived, that meant you were a conduit. If you didn't survive, that just meant you were a regular person. So, right. Um, and, and of course, in the process, the beast wipes several major cities off the map by doing this. But that's that's beside the point, <laughs> right? So, like, it's just there. And then, and there's also a pandemic that's going on during this whole thing. So, there's a lot of death and destruction. And so, Augustine herself was a um, just like a just ground zero soldier. In the military. So, right. Nobody knows what's going on at this time. Nobody knows what the hell a conduit is because they're all from a secret society and they're just there trying to fight this, this, you know, this thing that happened to appear randomly. Right. So, of course, when the soldiers are in, you know, whatever city the beast is in at the time and the beast sets off its powers and creates this giant explosion, leaving behind mostly skeletons of non conduits, but you know, activating the powers of people who did have the gene, the soldiers are, you know, obviously completely outgunned and they don't know what to do. And Augustine was one of the soldiers on the ground uh, who happened to be caught in the chaos and had her powers activated and she became a primary conduit. Yes. Um, 
And in the process, she meets a uh, young girl who was also a survivor of the beast's attack and was also exposed as a conduit. Oh, and, and really quickly, I think that this because we'll this will kind of feed into one of the points that we talk about later in this episode. But like at this stage of Infamous One, when you became a conduit, like this was pretty much forcing the gene to activate. You were also actively absorbing like not necessarily the memories, but you were conscious of the people that died to give you your powers. Like you were absorbing their essence, so to speak, at least. So like that's so we'll say it's not specifically stated, but like we'll say that Brooke Augustine probably saw like people in her unit die. And then she like actively accidentally forcibly absorbed them to to gain her powers. Yeah, for sure. But that that does bring us to where Augustine becomes a conduit. And around this time, after the beast's attacks up and down the East Coast, um, let's just say that public uh, perception of conduits, which, as you mentioned again, Lawrence, uh, hadn't really been known of before this. So people are just now becoming aware of conduits. And needless to say, they're not uh, giving them a very warm welcome. <laughs> it's kind of like they're seen as a threat or, you know, what later becomes the common term bioterrorists. Right. And the only, there was only one good, and I mean good as in like good morally <laughs> conduit at, <laughs> at this point. So, which it's like, you know, it's not common knowledge because we're in, in the middle of mass chaos. So, right. Yeah. We're, of course, we're seeing... Cole, Cole McGrath, uh, protagonist of the era, first two games, but generally they were not trusted and uh, seen as uh, dangerous. So going, you know, going back to what you're talking about, Brooke Augustine does find a child in the midst of all of this like chaos and destruction after she awakens her powers, and um, I, I mean the public had no idea what was going on, but they just knew that people with abilities were dangerous. And that they were trying to fucking kill them um, <laughs> because because like anybody whose powers activated, the beast also encouraged them to follow him. So he had his right. like his growing following of superpowered people. So if you're just a regular person on the street who doesn't know, like you're going to just it's like them or us. So I think at this right. point, anybody whose powers activated were they were considered an enemy regardless of if they wanted this or not or you know if they even knew what was going on themselves so there were like basically public lynchings of these people they were just going around killing people with powers yeah mob violence was very commonplace yeah and which as we know from from history people just tend to react uh with hostility to things they don't understand which is what happened to conduits unfortunately right and so you have this, you have, you know, Brooke Augustine, who is just as clueless as the rest of us, suddenly empowered, um, runs into a person with powers, you know, all the military that was deployed with her is gone. And people are being killed in the streets who have the abilities that she has now. So her first instinct is to hide. And, um, you know, when the military shows up, things will be okay. <laughs> yeah, she keeps holding on to that. Uh, I just need to make it back to you know my my unit, my comrades, and you know we'll be fine. We'll re- we'll restore order. And then yeah. in the meantime, she and this young girl named Celia that she has befriended uh, and is kind of looking out for. They're sort of keeping each other safe, and they 
grow close to each other. They grow a friendship. It's like a kind of a big sister, little sister sort of relationship forms out of the ashes of this horrible cataclysm that the beast brought on. Sadly, there isn't a happy ending to that when finally the military does arrive and Augustine is sort of reunited with them because, as we've established, conduits aren't trusted, especially by agents of the government who just want to restore order again. So Augustine kind of quickly finds herself caught in the middle between her loyalties to the government, her loyalties to the army, and her loyalties to this defenseless, innocent young girl who just happens to have made the mistake of having the conduit gene and being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And suddenly she's a bioterrorist. It's right. It's unfair in so many ways. And Augustine's caught in the middle. And coupled with the fact that she just also gained powers, she's seeing death all around her. And it's just utterly fucking confusing. Like it, ha- yeah. it, like it, it has to be the, the, I mean, she's pretty much thrown in the middle of a war zone with like, small impact nuclear weapons basically, basically. Yeah. and then like with you know without any intel about what's going on and then this happens and like she's just trying to seek safe haven so it's basically like the military they when she does run into them they do turn on her and it's like you know guns pointed so in the heat of the moment she decides like okay i can either die here i can try to fight or and dies probably still, or I can um like I can do something to protect Celia and myself. Right. She realizes that she can be a soldier or she can be a conduit, but she can't be both. Right. So she kind of weighs the situation quickly, and what she ends up doing, she uses her newfound abilities to manipulate concrete to encase Celia in a you know in a rock prison, basically. Uh, what that does is it, you know, quickly gains her the trust of her military comrades and by extension, the government make basically she makes herself useful to them, makes yes. it clear that she is there to help them restore order. She basically makes the choice between freedom and order and she chooses order. And that, you know, in the eyes of the government makes her I, I hate to use this kind of language. It, it, it feels gross, but like. It's kind of like they they see her as, quote unquote, one of the good ones immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's. Yeah. So that's that's the route she chooses. But as we see later, internally, she sees this as the best possible solution to the uh, situation that she was in. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to keep this conversation going. But first, a quick break. Hey there. My name is Leo. I'm a producer here at Lore Party, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my Last of Us series. Humanity survived, but the world is changed forever. The cordyceps brain infection has spread across the globe. Nevertheless, life goes on. Joel, with his troubled past, and Ellie, one of the only hopes for humanity's future, are forced to make difficult decisions. Dodging cannibal cults and militant revolutionaries, clickers and bloaters on the wildest road trip of the 2030s. Tune into our Last of Us episodes where my co-host Lawrence and I discuss the ultimate moral questions the game posits, the characters who bring the world to life, whether we meet them or not, and of course, Jimmy Cooper. Hop on over to our Lore Party feed and search for The Last of Us. Well, that's enough for me. Back to your show. God, this is the worst 
best decision that she could come up with at the time. It's ugly, yeah. And so she pretty much sells herself as a uh, has a tool to the government, yeah. tools yeah. to deal with this new threat that nobody knows about. Um, you know, after she proves her worth by capturing Celia, she um, she forms the Department of Unified Protection, and so. <sighs> The Department of Unified Protection is is looked at as like we're rounding up bioterrorists yeah. and like with extreme prejudice because it doesn't matter if you're a bioterrorist or it's it doesn't matter if you're a conduit who has used their powers in any in any way like you don't even have to have your powers activated it's pretty much having the gene makes you a threat and this is you know this fits into Augustine's. Uh, "Quote unquote solution." This was her her solution to the situation she was facing. This fits into her, you know, desire to restore order long term, you know, maintaining public safety. But you know, inside, kind of her hidden motivations are: this is the only way to keep conduits safe from being gunned down by soldiers or lynched, lynched in the streets. Uh, but that's behind the scenes. The face of it is, like you said, people just getting cuffed and dragged away and basically locked up and basically never seen again, whether they are causing any trouble with their powers or not. It doesn't matter. If you have this genetic abnormality, you're basically an enemy of the state and you're taken away. And that's, that's, that's the, the DUP's sort of rise to power. That's how they gain, gain their relevance in the government. And that's how Augustine becomes as powerful as she does. But the entire time, it's important to remember this is she thinks that this is what, uh, I guess, safety looks like. This is the, the the best possible course for her people. Yes, because she uses her newfound position, um, you know, as leader of this newly formed uh, arm of the government um, to establish this this base on. I believe it's an island. They, it's called Curdent K. Um, it's like a prison complex that's built using her powers right i think it's like an artificial island like she makes it entirely out of her manipulated concrete i think i could be wrong about that yeah no i believe that that's that's the case like she just has this giant establishment of uh it's giant prison complex and some undisclosed location and that's where every single person that gets rounded up um they get shipped to so that's her way of keeping them safe and so conduits or bioterrorists will be safe from prosecution they just to do that you have to give up your freedom yeah you just have to put these cuffs on and go here it's uh it's pretty amazing how of course how efficient the dup was at, yes. at this job I, I think it was uh what more than 300 conduits rounded up and imprisoned and curtain k within the first year of the dup operating I mean, that's pretty crazy yes. it's yeah and it was it was Augustine's way of showing, you know, further proving the fact that she was on the air quotes side of the government. She, you know, they were, they're ruthlessly efficient. They will round up anyone. Like, these aren't 300 active powered people that are destroying stuff. Right. These are 300 seemingly regular citizens minding their own business going on about their day. Yeah, like like quick example, uh, we'll get into we'll maybe get into him a bit more in detail later. But there's a there's a conduit named Hank Daughtry, who has the power to generate and uh, you know 
weaponize smoke and embers and you know ash and you know, fire almost and he uses that power to rob banks so he, he might be an example of a conduit who poses a risk or a threat to public safety but like you said lawrence we don't have 300 hang daughtries running around knocking over banks and armored cars no the vast majority of them are just minding their own business trying to be regular folks just going about their day right and so as part of part of the um the government's, you know, here's your fat stimulus check to do whatever you need to do to be done. <laughs> they like, you know, there, there's a uh, wing of the DUP that's involved in like either genetic and experimentation or like the development of technology. And with that, they can test to see, you know, hey, are you a conduit? Do you have the gene to become a conduit? And that's all it takes. So you can... Right. You know, you go through a checkpoint, you place your finger on a scanner, and then it lets you know, like, you're either a conduit or you're not. And if you are, like, you know, good luck, because <laughs> you're yeah, about the, to be rounded up. Right. <laughs> yeah, the more conduits they they collared and imprisoned, the better they got at detecting them. So it was, you know, they, they just kept building and building this ruthless efficiency of you know, uh, extradition and imprisonment. And so, terrifying. And and the result of this is I mean, this is not realistic to the <laughs> this is not realistic to the government that we would see today, but they were basically like mission accomplished, guys. <laughs> I, I think we've dealt with these people. Like we can right. stop funding this organization, which that would not that would not happen. Yeah, no, normally if something is funded, it kind of stays funded generally. Uh, but Augustine saw a solution. Well, she saw a couple solutions. One thing she did when it started to, you know, the, the, the peak months and years of DUP activity of rounding up conduits and imprisoning them, when that sort of started to, uh, taper off and slow down, Augustine sort of looked inward. She looked into the conduits she had already put away and started, uh, you know, making uh, really concerted efforts to train them and condition them to use their powers more effectively kind yes. of a honestly it's it's like a dark inverted kind of corrupted version of like xavier's school for gifted youngsters almost <laughs> like you like you mentioned this uh concept of conduits with their new powers that they don't know how to control and augustine comes along like a you know uh screwed up you know evil version of professor x like i can help you <laughs> come with me and i'll teach you how to control your powers and the long-term goal of this may have been kind of a military initiative to turn captured conduits into, you know, super soldiers or whatever. But uh, I think Augustine had a another kind of darker, more ulterior motive for training these conduits to contain themselves, but also to, to kill when they need to. You mentioned this, you know, budget crisis. Oh, you don't have any more conduits to uh, arrest, so we're going to cut your funding. Right. And Augustine thinks... What if I take the ones I already have and just make them even more dangerous? Yes. Which <laughs> this is yeah, this was this was messed up. So she had three conduits in mind. Um and she arranged for a prison transport. And also she arranged for that prison transport to be sabotaged. So those three conduits escaped into Seattle. She had already trained them and she knew that just given their, you know, their files and their history, she knew like their own personal traumas that they dealt with and that they would cause a lot of like ruckus and mayhem inside of the city. 
and that ruckus and mayhem would fuel the the uh, public outcry for DUP support. Right. So that would like, you know, and also that would shake the government to and let them, you know, so that they would be like, hey, you know, this threat is still active. Like we can't get rid of the only department that's actually, um, you know, that's that's made for this. Like they, they can handle this situation. Augustine let them go, knowing that they would do things that would cause a ruckus. So then the DUP could go through and in their attempt to round up those three, they could get Every single person that had the conduit gene. Right. It was this excuse to just move in and basically occupy Seattle in sort of like a martial law situation. And uh, not to, you know, not to get too political here, but it's kind of a classic uh, military industrial complex move to sort of uh, create a crisis and then sell the solution to that crisis. And <laughs> Augustine sort of mastered that little chess move. <laughs> she really pulled it off to flawless uh, perfection. <laughs> hey, uh, you've got a situation with some bioterrorists in Seattle. Uh, I just happen to have, you know, the DOP here. We're ready to go. Let us loose. And that's what happened. You know, you don't even really have to make people hate bioterrorists or make them hate conduits. You really just have to make them uncomfortable or afraid. You just have to sort of, disrupt their daily life and they'll want things to go back to normal. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, coming back to uh, how Augustine chose the path of order over the path of freedom, she represents that return to normalcy for them. So she she's really just setting up this whole situation so that she can swoop in and be the savior. And like she did some like like you would encounter like different checkpoints in the game and you'd have people that were just had no idea that they even had powers or what those powers were that were just stuck in cages. Yeah. They were awaiting transport and they would have these like little holding cell areas and like, or they, they they'd throw them in these vests or whatever. And like, it's just, it's crazy. They were just regular citizens. Yeah, and who just, she, who just had this gene that they didn't choose to have. And they had no choice but to go through her checkpoints because they were all over the city. They were everywhere, yeah. I don't know. It, it's like they're the, the, the three people that she let go, or the, yeah, the three uh, bioterrorists that she also let go too, like she had completely manipulated their emotions. Like she, she manipulated their, like, you know, these people that had been through like the shittiest situations in their lives mm-hmm. in order to do her bidding. And which is really a uh, interesting reversal of what she kind of thinks of herself. Like we've established, she thinks that she's helping conduits. Yeah. She thinks that everything she does is for kind of the long-term benefit of people like her. But when you look at the individual cases that you just laid out, like, no, you're not helping anybody. You're turning fetch into a killer. Uh, you're stoking her grudges to, you know, serve your own, serve your own ends. You know, she has these, traumas that you're you know turning to your advantage if she goes back to seattle and starts picking off drug dealers people are gonna you know start being scared of another bioterrorist epidemic and that's the kind of thing like you say that you you just want to help and keep safe other conduits and then you pull this kind of stuff so it's like it's like where, where are you really at so there's a little bit of a hypocrisy to her but toward the end of the game when delson confronts her she you know up until the end she still maintains you know, you don't know what I've been through. Uh, I I saw, you know, conduits, you know, 
uh, oppressed and victimized and I won't let that happen again. I will keep him safe. But, uh, and you know, we see some, some examples of how she still really feels that way and tries to act that way. But there are some, um, behaviors that are very questionable. Like you're not really keeping anyone safe when you, uh, create the crisis in Seattle. Right. And it's, it's, it's weird to see. Cause like you almost feel sorry for her when you get her story because it is, she's like this because people were, <laughs> were literally killing conduits in the yeah. street out of, out of rage because of the beast. Like she had to hide. And then the people that she thought would protect her, you know, were going to also kill her. Like, yeah. I think that she in her head is just like, Hey, if we lose government funding, there's not going to be a way to support Kurt and Kay. And all of these people are going to die or be manipulated in some form or fashion because that's true. Like, I think that she did kind of help people. It's just that, like, that help came with a, a like a hefty price tag attached to it, because like, Fetch is effectively, you know, not addicted to drugs, and Hank is reformed. Like, that's that's dope. It's just the fact that she takes it one step further. Like, you know, now that you're not addicted to drugs, here's how you can kill people using your powers, or here's you know, like. Yeah, here's how you can kill people with your powers is what she taught both of them. And I'm like, yeah. that's so bad. Eugene is also interesting to throw into this category because he was just like, I wanted to be a hero. I, you know, I'm I'm socially awkward and timid. I just have these abilities. And it was just like, well, you're still going to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's there's so many, you know, two sided or sorry. There's so many kind of two-faced aspects to what Augustine does. I guess you had, you had a good point there. You know, if she hadn't orchestrated the situation in Seattle, the DUP would lose funding. All the people in Curtin K would be maybe set free or just sent to a normal prison or something. They wouldn't be as safe. So I guess everything does come down to, you know, the ends justify the means to her. She still thinks at the end of the day she's still generally, uh, on on average, keeping conduits safe. But – uh, still victimizing them in the process because, uh, you know, they're still people. They're still human beings. They're not. But she treats them as pawns. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.